0: Let me invite your attention to the reading of God's holy word, the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, 43rd chapter, beginning at verse 16. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior, they lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I have formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. This is the word of the Lord. If you know your senior pastor well, You need to give him a word of warning for me. How dare he invite the superintendent to preach on the morning when you turn your clocks ahead? (laughs) Give him that warning for me. We will be talking. Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. I welcome you to Central, and I am delighted to to be with you this day. I am a little intimidated by those who are behind me, these these young adults. Uh, Some of the things that I might refer to, they will have no idea because of their age. But uh, I am delighted that uh, indeed that they are behind me because that means that parents and grandparents had to get up early and come and be here. But I have chosen for our thinking this morning the Old Testament lesson for the day, especially this particular part. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Let us pray. O eternal God, open now our hearts and our minds that as your word is proclaimed, it might be received, not as a word from the preacher, but as a word from on high from you as we seek to be your church. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we make our prayers. Amen. Had I known the, the youth, the, these young adults who were going to be singing, I would have called on and we would have worked together ask them to be a part of this sermon because I want to remind you as we begin of a time when I was about their age, the year 1971, I was a senior in high school, the world in which we lived, if you were a part of the world at that time, was somewhat as chaotic as it is in the very present. There was a war going on halfway around the world. To these young people, they hear Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan in 71. We heard Vietnam. There were protests across the country against the involvement in this war. There were riots. And many, many turned to drugs, to drugs. LSD to marijuana, to cocaine, to heroin. So many moments and so many of those days it was difficult to distinguish between what was real and what was not real. And in the midst of all of that, you may remember, some of you, that the Coca-Cola company came up with an ad campaign. And they took a group of young people much like you're sitting behind me this morning. They gathered them on a hilltop in Italy and they sang this song. I'm not going to sing, don't worry, but this is what they sang. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. And I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. It's the real thing. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. It's the real thing. Some of you remember that ad campaign. Coca-Cola seeking to to bring some semblance of joy and peace to the world that was in such a chaotic state. I was a drugstore soda jerk when Coca-Cola began this ad and that it mattered not, and it matters not so much this morning. But as a soda jerk in 71, I found out that there was a real difference between Coke and Pepsi. And for my money, folks, Pepsi is the real thing. I just want to say that as we get started. I just want to say we, we find ourselves, fast forward, from 71 to to 2016. Struggling often in a world that continues to be filled with chaos and desperation. Many of us seeking day by day and moment by moment to distinguish that which is real and that which is unreal. We're almost to Easter. The prophet says, that God says, I am about to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? We are almost to Easter. There was a daughter who traveled to her hometown on Easter Sunday to be in worship there to remember her recently deceased mother who was... A matriarch of that church, ahead of time she had contacted the church and said that I want to place a lily in memory of my mother with the others in the sanctuary. She sent them her check ahead of time. Easter Sunday came, the sanctuary was packed of course as they celebrated the resurrection Following the service, the benediction people did not hurry to the door. It was Easter. They were celebrating. And so they stayed around to visit from her childhood pew, the third one back on the left. This daughter got, uh, got up after the benediction, came forward to retrieve the lily so that she might take it out back to the place where her mother had been laid to rest. As she approached and picked up one of the lilies, she was shocked so much so that she declared in a voice that they all could hear, They're plastic. You could hear a pin drop. As church members and others alike, stopped and stared at this lady and again she said, they're plastic. They are not real. Whereupon the preacher came rushing forward to try to take control of this now chaotic uh, scene on, on, on Easter Sunday. And so upset was this daughter that 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 she insisted on an explanation in that very moment. Most of those present knew the explanation. It had been a tradition for years as a way to make extra money for the budget of the church. They had purchased nice plastic artificial lilies years ago. And they cared for them very well. And a week before Easter, they would go to the basement and they would uncover all of these lilies. And they would clean them and wash them. They would go down to Michael's and buy a can of lily scent. And they would bring it back and they would spray it profusely all over these lilies. And then they would bring them up into the sanctuary And on Easter morning, everyone could see the beauty of the lilies and look in the bulletin and see whom they had remembered or honored. The pastor explained to this daughter and to this crowd who had gathered. And after his explanation, she looked at him and said, On the day you preach, New life. On the day you preach resurrection, one of your symbols of life is not real, but rather artificial. How often do you and I, as God's people, struggle in our faith journey to know that which is real as opposed to that which is unreal? That which will make a positive difference in your life and my life rather than to drag us and someone else down. That which is real versus that which is unreal. Not so easily distinguished in all of our moments. There are many things in the world in which you and I live that seem real that would drag us down. We pledge our allegiance to this and that or the other, believing that, that in, the, in, the, in the outcome it will make a good difference. We have made a decent choice. And this will be real in my life and will make a difference in the lives of those I care about. Only, only to know at some point, at some moment, it wasn't real. Preacher went to visit a family. They had been visiting his church for quite some time. They had had a difficulty in setting up the The scheduled visit, because of of family schedules, there was a mother, a father, and two children, small children. Finally, they agreed upon a time. He knocked on the door. They opened the door to their home and welcomed him in. The father said, we're running behind. We're sorry. We're just finishing supper. We're going to take the kids upstairs, get them ready for bed quickly, and come back down for our visit. If you don't mind, would you just make yourself at home in the den? Preacher walks in, finds a comfortable chair in the den, and there in the middle of the floor is a huge greyhound dog enjoying the den, just laying there. Folks, I'll tell you this moment. I've never been to a dog track. I've seen greyhounds. I know that that so many of them are used in dog races. And I hope that that your understanding of how that happens, they they get them in a gate, all of these beautiful dogs, these greyhounds, a bell sounds and a mechanical rabbit goes scooting out in front of them and there they go around the track. The preacher gets himself comfortable looks at the dog and says, "Are you still racing?" The dog said, "No, I don't race anymore." <laughs> preacher says, "Do you miss the glitter and the excitement of the track?" Dog says, "No, I, I really don't." Preacher says, "What's the matter? Did you get too old?" The Greyhound looks at him and says, I got more race left in me now than most dogs. The preacher says, Well, what is it then? Did you not win? He says, Oh, I won. I won over a million dollars for my owner. The preacher says, Well, were you treated bad? And the dog says, No. When we were racing at the track, They've treated us like royalty. Did you get hurt? Are you crippled? The old greyhound looked and smiled at him and said, No, no, it's not that. Preacher said, Then what? The old dog looked at him and said, I quit. Preacher says, You quit? Yes, I quit. Why did you quit? I discovered, the dog said, What I was chasing was not really a rabbit. And I quit. All that running and running and running. And what I was chasing was not even real. The right thing. The real thing. Friends, as you and I journey now this close to Jerusalem, we need to be assured that 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 which we are after is real in your heart and in my heart, in your soul and my soul and in the soul of the church. That which we seek to accomplish each day in the name of a God who saves us in every moment out of every circumstance. A God that you and I are called to proclaim. We must be certain and assured always that that is real. Isaiah says that God says, I am about to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? How is our depth perception this morning? Do you not perceive, do you not smell and taste and feel that which is, is, is fixing to happen? That which God is going to do once again in the life of His people and in the life of His church, in the life of His world. God is fixing to intervene once again. We will shout our hallelujahs two weeks from this day because what God does in your life and in my life is real. When God intervenes, so scholars say and commentaries say, in the Old Testament, when there is an intervention, by God to His people. That intervention is for one of three reasons. One, that Israel has paid for her sin. The second, the the Lord's grace and love for a chosen people. And third, and, and that which focuses us on this word today, The third reason is that the people might be a witness to God's God's saving grace amongst the nations. And that's that's what Isaiah, that's what the prophet says. The people whom I have formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. The reason for restoration, you see, here in the Old Testament, It is an intervention to restore God's people from exile in Babylon. But for you and for me today, two weeks from Easter, it is a restoration of your soul and my soul, your heart and my heart. It is a restoration of our lives that we are talking about God's intervention in the world in and through Jesus the Christ, is always real. And as God intervenes in your life and in my life, in that powerful moment, you and I are called to witness to God's love and grace. To sing praises for that which is real. Some of you are aware of the name Amy Grant. Amy Grant started her career as a Christian uh, entertainer, a Christian singer. Uh, she, during her career she she went and and sang some popular music, and then she met and fell in love with Vince Gill and they got married, and they had a family. And they decided together that while the children were small and at home, that Amy would not be out on the road performing. The time came when they agreed that Amy could continue her career, and she made those preparations. The day came for her to go out on tour. She went by in the outskirts of Nashville to see her mother, her mother who suffers with Alzheimer's. She knocked on the door. She went in. They had conversation. Her mother not really recognized who she was. As time came for Amy to, to leave, her mother said, Now tell me again, who is who are you? And Amy says, Mama, it's me. I'm Amy, your daughter. And I sing, and I'm going to do some concerts. Her mother said, Sing something for me. And Amy said, Oh, Mama, the bus is here. Uh, the, the band's ready. I, I really don't have the time this morning to do that. She turned to, to leave. Her mother said, Dear, and Amy turned around and her mother said, When you sing, Sing something significant. You and I, my friends, are called to sing significantly about that which is real. About what it is that God in and through Christ has done, is doing, and will do in your life, in the life of this church, and in the life of God's world. Praise His name. Testify to God's love and grace. Sing something significant that others will understand that that which you're singing about is not artificial, is not mechanical, but is always real.